in a world where some of the greatest motion pictures ever made are reaching their 30th anniversaries. One group of friends gathered together to pay tribute to these films. Pat Cantagallo. Dennis Matouche. Jeff Mazuka. Each week, we take a look back at one movie that is reaching that 30-year milestone. Whether you love seeing these films in the theater or enjoying them for the first time at home, we invite you to join us this year as we travel back in time to 1986. I am your host, John Reed, and you're listening to the 30-something Movie Podcast. Thank you for joining us on episode number 78 of the 30-something movie podcast. There's going to be some big trouble in this episode. So at a time like this, just remember what old Jack Burton always says. With the lightnings crashing and the thunders rolling and the rains coming down, you just have to come along with us in the old Pork Chop Express while we talk about the John Carpenter cult classic, Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, very quickly, we spoil all the stuff that we talk about here. So if you haven't seen movies, um, welcome to the world. Um, yeah. I, I don't know what else to say, but welcome. Um, we have cheeseburgers and Coke and Freedom and, and made it. The cheeseburger. And, 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 watch movies. And, and when we watch movies. And so welcome to the world. Um, but we're going to spoil stuff. So if you don't like it, then maybe watch stuff and then come back. Right. And in the meantime, while you're watching stuff, you can also head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Uh, we like as many stars as you would care to put up there. So you go go for it. Go wild. Go crazy. Um, and thank you in advance. So this time around, I've got a couple of friends with me here. I have my co-host, Bo Warmbold. Yeah, hello. Hello, Bo. And I've got Patrick. He's going to go nuts as soon as we start talking this movie. Can I go? I even brought my sword. I even had my sword with me. You, brought, so you do have your sword. There you go. You are ready to go. This is going to be, okay, buckle up, folks. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Uh, I did post a few things about that we were going to be talking about uh, Big Trouble in Little China, and I got a whole bunch of people that liked or retweeted, but I only got one reply um, when I asked people, you know, what was some of their favorite things about Big Trouble in Little China? And this one's just fun because of the name of the podcast and the Twitter account uh, from Douche Canoe Studio. <laughs> At wow. Douche Canoe oh, HM, there, there we go, um, said he, he loves it because it's unashamed and not giving winks and nods to the camera 90% of the time. Um, and that's what I've heard in, uh, in retweets and other things from other people um, that have talked about this movie since it's the 30th anniversary is that it's just, people just love it. It's a fun movie. Yes. Okay. Your sword's ready? I've got the sword right here, man. Okay. All aboard the Pork Chop Express. All aboard the Pork Chop Express. Let's go. All right. This time around, we're talking Big Trouble in Little China. This movie came out July 2nd, 1986, rated PG-13 by director John Carpenter, who also did Halloween, Escape from New York, The Thing, and They Live. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. All out of bubblegum. The the best Rowdy Roddy Piper movie ever made. Yes. Or, or the only? Was he in anything else? I was just going to say, okay. is that the only? It's the only yeah. one I can think of. All right. Uh, producer on this one was Larry J. Franco, who also produced Escape from New York, They Live, The Rocketeer, one of the greatest movies ever, uh, Mars Attacks, Batman Begins, and the recent Independence Day Resurgence. 
writers on this one. Uh, we had Gary Goldman, uh, who did Total Recall, Navy Seals, and Next. Uh, David Weinstein, who this is his only writing credit. And apparently, this is something that will come back up in some of the background information here in a bit, but apparently they were not too happy with the script that those two gentlemen came up with, so they brought in W.D. Richter, who had done the 1978 version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the 1979 Dracula, and most and recently, most recently before this one, The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. <laughs> and apparently there was a bit of a legal battle between the writers, but we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, music was done by John Carpenter along with Alan Howarth. Uh, John Carpenter, of course, did the music for Halloween, Escape from New York, They Live. He tends to do some of the music for his movies, um, for most of his movies. So, uh, Alan Howarth helped him with the music in Escape from New York, the Halloween movies, except for the first one, and They Live. The budget for this one was $25 million. The box office was $11.1 million. Ouch. Which is funny because we compared when we last week when we were talking about the Golden Child, it made back its money plus, mm-hmm. and yet this one total bomb. But I bet if you well, ask people, I bet if you asked word, Eddie Murphy, right? Yeah. I bet if you ask people, this one is probably the the movie that is more popular now. Yep, but definitely not at the time. I agree with that. Yeah, definitely not at the time. All right, in this one we have Kurt Russell who played Jack Burton, old Jack Burton, um, who was also in Escape from New York, The Thing, Tango and Cash, Tombstone, Stargate, The Hateful Eight, and will be in the upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Kim Cattrall played Gracie Law. She was in Porky's, Police Academy, Mannequin, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, and Sex in the City. Dennis Dunn played Wang Chi. He was in The Last Emperor, Midnight Caller, Prince of Darkness. James Hong played David Lopan. He was in Blade Runner, The Golden Child, Tango and Cash, Wayne's World 2, Mulan, and Kung Fu Panda movies. Victor Wong, who died in 2001, played Egg Shen. He was in The Last Emperor, Seven Years in Tibet, and Three Ninjas. Kate Burton played Margot. She was in 127 Hours, Stay, Max Payne, and the TV shows Grey's Anatomy and Scandal. Donald Lee played Eddie Lee, who was in One Crazy Summer, U.S. Marshals, and The Avengers. Carter Wong played Thunder. He was in uh, some movies called Traitorous and Shaolin Invincibles. Peter Kwong was Rain. He was in The Golden Child and a movie called Cooties. Uh, James Pax played Lightning. He was in a movie called Kinjite, Forbidden Subjects, Bethune, The Making of a Hero, and The Heroic Trio. Susie Pei, is it Pei or Pai? I think it's Pei. Susie Pei played Miao Yin, easy for me to say. Uh, who was also in Sharky's Machine and Extra Large Ninja Shadow. These are some great movie names, by the way. Extra Large Ninja Shadow. And Chow Li Chi, who died in 2010, played Uncle Chu. He was in The Nutty Professor, The Prestige, and Wedding Crashers. The critics on Rotten Tomatoes, critics gave this one an 84%. Audience gives it an 83%. Siskel and Ebert. Okay, now this is where Pat's going to need to just kind of keep calm for a minute. Uh, I, did, I did read in advance, so I got my okay. out of the way. You got your anger out of the way? Yeah. Okay. So Ebert uh, gave this one two stars and said basically that he really didn't care about the characters and that the movie was not executed well. And Siskel gave it a thumbs down, said there were just too much special effects and they weren't good. Uh, cinema score for this one, people gave it a B plus as they were leaving the theater. 
And this one was nominated for a Saturn Award for Best Music by John Carpenter. All-American everyman Jack Burton gets entangled in a battle between good and evil on and under the streets of Chinatown in San Francisco. On his way to getting repaid for a gambling debt, he takes his friend Wang to the airport to pick up his fiancé, newly arrived from China. Wang's fiancé is kidnapped by David Lopan, the vicious crime lord that rules Chinatown. Lopan needs this green-eyed beauty to help break a 2,000-year-old curse that has left him an immortal and without human flesh. In a failed attempt at rescuing Miao Yin, their friend Gracie Law is also kidnapped, and guess what? She also happens to have green eyes. Wang, along with his sidekick, Jack Burton, mount an all-out assault on Lopan with the help of another master of Chinese sorcery, Egg Shen. This is Jack Burton in the Pork Chop Express, and I'm talking to whoever's listening out there. It's a pretty amazing planet we live on here, and a man would have to be some kind of fool to think we're all alone in this universe. There is a hidden world where ancient evil weaves a modern mystery. What's going on here? Is this some kind of... Magic. The darkest magic. Ow! They call it Little China. Finally, we shall bring order out of chaos. It's where big trouble was waiting for Jack Burton. Who? Jack Burton. Me. Jack. Jack. Jack! They told him to go to hell. He make one move. And that's just where he's going. Somebody, I don't care who, tell me what is going on. How are you going to spring us? I have no idea. There are many mysteries, many unanswerable questions, even in a life as short as yours. My destiny rests in your capable hands. Hey, I'll do my best. Oh, God, is this really happening? This is gonna take Cracker Jack timing, Wang. One, two, three. We may be trapped. Total concentration. Safety. Oh, yeah. You ready, Jack? I was born ready. Way to go, Jack. Jack Burton's coming to rescue your summer. Hey, what more can a guy ask for? 20th Century Fox presents Kurt Russell in John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China. On the reflexes. I'm going to go through this. It's going to take Cracker Jack time and get this right, so you guys bear with me here. Uh, this was originally intended to be a Western. Uh, the movie would have taken place in the 1880s in an Old West Chinatown. Uh, then that was the script that they didn't really like so much, but they saw that it had potential. So that's when W.D. Richter came in and rewrote the script. Uh, after that, there was a, I think it was with the Writers Guild, uh, there was a legal battle that ensued between the original writers and the studio and W.D. Richter. Um, so they are listed in the credits as writers with Richter listed as adapted by. 
Um, one other thing about the original script, it was Jack's horse that was stolen instead of his truck because he would not have had a truck if it was the Old West. Uh, the studio was worried about Jack Burton being a hapless hero, so they demanded the addition of the opening monologue um, where Egg Shen explains that we owe Jack Burton everything. They were worried throughout the rest of the movie that he seemed like he just kind of stumbled into these fights and that he really didn't do much at all, so they demanded that they add that opening part uh, where you have Egg Shen talking about uh, what has already taken place. Uh, this movie was up against a lot of heavy competition that summer. Back to School, About Last Night, Cobra, Short Circuit, Karate Kid Part Two, Labyrinth, Raw Deal, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, um, and then Aliens came out about two weeks, about 16 days or so after this. So they were in the middle of all of the advertising for Aliens, and this was probably not a great time for this movie to come out. Um, but they did rush this movie through when John Carpenter, because uh, John Carpenter was originally given the uh, option to direct The Golden Child, and he turned that down. And then when this came, one came around and he took it, um, you know, he said, okay, we haven't had any movies like this for many, many years, so what's the, I mean, it, it can't be a coincidence. They're, they're trying to race against the clock to beat each other to get these out first. Um, so they went as fast as they could to try to get this one out, and they succeeded, releasing this one in the summer of 86, whereas The Golden Child came out in December of 86. Uh, the studio originally wanted Jack Nicholson or Clint Eastwood for the Jack Burton role because originally it was not necessarily going to be uh, a comedy. It was going to be more of a kind of a serious Western kung fu mysticism type thing. So uh, they were looking for maybe a more established uh, dramatic actor. So they wanted Jack Nicholson and Clint Eastwood. Uh, neither were available or would take the role. Um, so Kurt Russell uh, came in and actually turned down the role um, for, uh, let's see, he was going to be the lead in Highlander, and he turned down Highlander so that he could play Jack Burton. Hmm. Uh, which I don't know what that would have done to the Highlander movie if Kurt Russell was the lead actor in it. That would, I don't know. I, just, I don't see Kurt Russell as the lead in Highlander. No, that's a, that's a tough one. Yeah. Uh, Jackie Chan was originally considered for the role of Wang Chi, but the studio didn't think that his English or his acting skills were good enough. Mm -hmm. uh, John Carpenter swore off mainstream Hollywood movies after reading the reviews for this one and seeing the box office returns. Um, he basically pulled an Eric Cartman and said, screw you guys, I'm going home. Um, although he did return a few years later to make Memoirs of an Invisible Man with Chevy Chase and Escape from L.A. also with Kurt Russell. Uh, while there were protests from several Asian-American groups, the actors who worked on this movie have typically defended the film and John Carpenter by saying that he continually checked in with them to make sure that the film was not becoming anything offensive. Uh, I guess the year before, there was a Mickey Rourke movie called Year of the Dragon, and it was heavily protested and apparently did not depict the Chinese in a very positive light, uh, focusing on all negative aspects, street gangs, stuff like that, so... Uh, they were kind of very aware of the idea that they needed to tread carefully and try not to offend anybody with this movie. Yeah. All righty. So I guess one of my first questions would be, when was the first time you saw this? Home video for sure, but... Because you both saw it. Nobody, neither one of you has seen this, like, just recently. No, I had seen it before. Okay. It was a long, long time ago. To the point where I found myself going... Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, I first saw it. <clears throat> I Well, I actually remember the place that I first saw it. It was uh, 
we were some friends had like this vacation home kind of thing in a and you know that I remember that you know they had they were by a pool and you know it was kind of like there was video game arcade and we were you know the kids were kind of the same age and we all had you know we were all out playing and swimming and having fun all day and I was like I don't know 12 or 13 or maybe a little bit younger and this the one of the kids was like oh we're gonna you know we all got pizza and he's like we got to watch Big Trouble in Little China and I was just like what is this and then it it went in the VHS and uh, yeah that yeah I remember. I remember the first time I saw that movie. But, and Little Pat yeah. became a man. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, there it is. There it is. All right. So when was when was the last time you've watched this before now? So like we've probably watched it within the last few days or so. Um, before the last few, and Pat's watched it several times in the last twenty four hours. Um, mm-hmm. When was the last time before now that you watched this movie? Is this one that you watch fairly regularly? Do you own it? Do you watch it? you know, once a year, once every couple of years, or is this one, so it kind of sounds like, Bo, maybe this is one that you have not watched in a while, and this is the first it has time. Been, it has been quite a while. Okay. I'm not 100% sure I've seen it more than twice before this past weekend. Okay. Um, I have seen it a couple times in the last few days, obviously, but God, before that, I can't even tell you. It's been at least 10 years since I've seen it, I can tell you that much. Okay. All right. And Pat, it's been probably at least 10 minutes since you've seen it. Yeah, I've got it playing right now on my phone. I'm okay. just watching. Um, no, this is, one, this is one that, you know, if we, if we redid like the top five movie list, you know, you got your top five movies and then your, your top five, John, you, you've talked about like your go-to movies. Mm-hmm. They're maybe not like necessarily your favorite, but you watch it all the time. So that would be this. I mean, I think I watch this thing half a dozen times a year. Um, wow. Least. Yeah. I mean, it's like, if it's on, like, I'll just be searching for it. And now, I mean, it's now with Netflix and Amazon prime, that, that effect is kind of lost. But before when I still watched, you know, when it was still regular TV, I would just be like, Hey, is this on? And any, and then as soon as it was on, like I would record it and watch it a couple times a week. Yeah. I would. Yeah. 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 This is, this is a go-to. Right on. So. So what do you think about the thought that originally this was going to be set in the Old West? How would that have changed that? How would, how would well, that, that have changed the movie for you? Does that? It's funny because I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Some of the ways it was written, some of the ways even Kurt Russell delivers his lines are very John Wayne almost. Mm-hmm. I think dropping it in a Western actually makes a lot of sense. Obviously, you know, when the, when the truck becomes a horse, you know, some of the scenes with him running through people don't uh, have the same impact, but I can totally see the dialogue working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think it'd be cool. You know, I mean, I like martial arts movies. I like Westerns and I, I think, I think that would be a very cool thing. I mean, I know the original, well, the original Kung Fu series was supposed to be that set in the old West. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think other than that, and I mean, I'm sure there's probably some Kung Fu aficionados that could correct me, but I mean, the only other real Western Kung Fu movie that we have would be one of the later Jackie Chan ones, right? Like the Shanghai noons or something. I mean, that yeah. I know of, I don't, I mean, it's, there's Kung Fu and then there's that. I don't know of that many other, like Western, Western, Western Kung Fu movies. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think it'd be cool. 
Yeah, it would have been interesting. I think the movie works both ways. It's yeah, it's written in such a way that you know you'd have to change a few props and things, but it's not because the movie's not. It doesn't require the town version of Chinatown to do anything that it's doing. Mm-hmm. No. I wonder what uh, wonder what Egg was if he wasn't a tour bus driver in the Western movie. Hmm. Um, Stagecoach, maybe. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah or... Opium dealer. Yeah, probably. He could have just been some kind of elder in the Chinese community at the time. You know, yeah. depending on, you know, how accurate do they want to make do they want to make it? If they want to make it accurate to what the Chinese life was like back in the 1800s, well, then it would probably be something a little bit different if they decided to stretch it a little bit. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Um, just, you know, just people of Chinese descent were treated too well back in the 1800s. So, I mean, you know, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of a thing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think the movie works. And you know what's interesting is, and I mean, again, correct me if I'm wrong with this, but I don't know that many kung fu movies that get, like mass appeal until Jackie Chan did um, Rush Hour. Mm-hmm. Before that, you watch kung fu movies, you knew kung fu movies, and you might introduce them to your family. But you know, people probably knew the name Bruce Lee. But mm-hmm. even that, it's I don't. Unfortunately, I don't know how many of the people how many people saw Enter the Dragon. Mm-hmm. You know that weren't kung fu people. Y- you right. know what? I'm saying? So is this? Uh, so is this the the first mass appeal kung fu movie? But obviously it didn't work with the box office thing, but I mean I I think that's maybe what it was. I think it it because when you watch it, you know, if you walk into it and think, "Oh, it's just a comedy," you really miss a lot of what the movie is. I mean, there's some pretty stand pretty awesome stand-up fight scenes. Um, you know, the magic thing was kind of I mean, that was kind of kooky and 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 all that kind of thing, which was cool. But I mean, the martial arts stuff was pretty awesome. And it it didn't, I don't think it painted Chinese culture in a real, like, derogatory light at all. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone was kind of getting lampooned in some way, shape, or form. But, yeah, it was a pretty darn, it was a pretty awesome martial arts movie. I just, it didn't, you know, it didn't, it didn't spark. Well, and one of the reasons why, um, I think, as you I think I was listening to the, no, I watched it on Netflix, so there wouldn't have been the commentary, but I think I've heard the commentary at some point. And they were kind of talking about how, I I think this was in the commentary or I read it somewhere else. The studio didn't really know how to advertise this. Like they weren't quite sure where to go with it. And so they really kind of downplayed the comedy part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they kind of played up the action part of it and maybe the kung fu part of it, but they really didn't. uh, Their ad campaign, I guess, was. Uh, posters of Kurt Russell that said, who is Jack Burton? And they tried to kind of take that route and just, you know, build up some mystery about Jack Burton and, and the character. And I don't know if trying to portray him as like a, make you think he's some kind of like an Indiana Jones Rambo kind of, you know, action hero type character. And I think with just all the other movies that were coming out that summer, people saw these posters or people saw this ad campaign and they just thought, I, I don't care. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I don't really care. There's too many other things that are out and 
I know what Aliens is. I'm going to go watch that. Or I know what, you know, Crocodile Dundee is. Or I know what uh, Karate Kid is. So I think they kind of, I think some of the, some of the flop of this movie was blamed on the studio not really knowing how to advertise this. Like how to get this out to the public and how to yeah. distinguish it from this crowd of other awesome movies that was coming out during this year. Yeah. Which yeah, is, I, I'd agree with that. Which is a shame because it's, I think, for all the different genres that it covers, it does it really well. Kind of like you were mentioning that it's got the magic, it's got the kung fu, it's almost a western, it's an action movie, it's a comedy. Um, and for, for trying to mash all those together, I think it does a pretty good job of it. And, you know, just the, I was thinking about just the pacing in the movie alone. There mm-hmm. are times where, you know, with, with like kung fu movies, stuff like that, I'm waiting for the next fight scene. Like, I'm like, okay, that, that's, you know, this is all great, but let's get on to the next fight. I want to see the next fight. Let's go. Um, you know, same thing with the Westerns. I'm like, okay, let's get to the next gunfight. Let's go. With this movie, I, and this is where I really disagree with Roger Ebert um, on his take that he couldn't care about any of the characters, so he thought it was a bad movie, was mm-hmm. I was just as interested in all the in-between stuff as I was the action. I know. And so I thought the pacing of this movie was great. I thought it moved along just fine. I was never bored in any of those in-between times, you know, because it's kind of a, I kind of have the same feeling about this as I do about the Indiana Jones movies. Mm-hmm. Is that even in your downtime between action sequences, they're they're trying to find their way out of somewhere or they're, you know, searching for something or there's never really I don't ever feel that there's a lull in this movie. No. And I mean, you talk about a movie to motivate kids to like, you know, build forts out of pillows. I mean, the amount of tunnels and, you know, passageways and, you know, swimming through tubes and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it's like. It's almost like a like a Dungeons and Dragons kind of thing, you know. I mean, I, I yeah, I, it definitely doesn't. It de- you know, you definitely don't get bored with it. So tell me a little bit about. I, I want to kind of run through the movie um, chronologically just a little bit. Um, so tell me about that first uh, that first introduction that you get to Jack Burton. What did you think when you first? Now again, we we've seen this several times, um, but when you first see him riding along in his truck, doing that little monologue of his. Uh, what do you think of him the first time you see him? Bo, you kind of said he sounded like John Wayne. Yeah, he has that. This, there's a, unfortunately, I'm blanking on the movie right now. There's a movie where somebody is trying to parody John Wayne, and he goes, how you doing there, pilgrim? Mm-hmm. And there were speech patterns. Of Kurt Russell's in this movie, like when mm-hmm. he's talking to when he's on the phone with the insurance lady, and every time he's on the TV radio, he's got this speech pattern that is so distinctive, and you, you're kind of wondering when you first see it, who is this yet? <laughs> when some wild-eyed eight-foot-tall maniac grabs your neck, taps the back of your favorite head up against the barroom wall, and he looks you crooked in the eye, and he asks you if you paid your dues, you just stare that big sucker right back in the eye. And you remember what old Jack Burton says at a time like this. Have you paid your dues, Jack? Yes, sir. The check is in the mail. In the mail. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. The first thing I thought was just this guy's a character. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, and I don't mean that, like, that guy's a character in the movie, but, like, quote, unquote, he's a character. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, 
And and anything he says, it's just like, please keep talking. Please keep saying things because it yeah. just and it and just you mentioned that speech pattern. In that speech pattern, okay, he sounds like, you know, one part tough guy, one part mm-hmm. kind of like, yeah, he's got a pretty healthy ego, one part really trying to be a tough guy, one part you know, and and you're kinda of like, which way is it gonna come down? And I, I think I don't want to jump ahead of the chronological thing, but I mean that really spoke to the whole movie because he was a tough guy. He w- didn't have any problems jumping into action. And then, but you're wondering, like, is this guy really out of his depth? I mean, is he really in control of this situation or is he really not, you know? And, and yeah, so I mean, that's kind of, and he was able, he's able to, to capture all that. You know, it kind of, you mentioned the Indiana Jones, it's sort of like, what are you going to do? I don't know. I'm making this up as I go along. Yeah. You know, when he's trying to escape from something, he, that's what he says. And that seems like Jack Burton. It's just like, I'm just making this sucker up as I go. And I think he even said that in the rescue scene. Are you here to rescue us? Yeah. Are you here to rescue us? How are you going to get us out of here? Know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Now, I, I don't know if this is taking it too far or, or trying to you know, take some of this too seriously. I did read somewhere that, um, and I don't know if they were saying, I don't think they said they heard this from Kurt Russell, but um, that maybe this was kind of implied somewhere. I did read somewhere that they said, this is potentially Kurt Russell's parody or com- or commentary on, using John Wayne for that effect, on America. And how, you know, the Americans oftentimes jump into situations, and America as a country too, jump into situations where we kind of always think we, we know what's best, and we jump in, you know, head first, not really thinking about the consequences, just, we're America, we're going to go make this happen. And um, so some people have said that was his reason for using kind of a John Wayne type voice, because he felt that embodied the kind of American tough guy mm-hmm attitude uh Hmm. and that that's why you see him that's why he chose to do the character that way was you you see him so you do see the other people in a positive light you you know you see the chinese people in a positive light and actually that's why i mentioned it that way at the beginning of the podcast was that wang chi is more the hero and jack burton's more the sidekick yeah right because i'm still not 100 percent sure how he uh got uh Jack into some of this. Mm-hmm. I got to be honest. I'm watching it going, dude. If I was Jack, I'd be gone. <laughs> <laughs> right. But sure enough, he got him. He got him in. And 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 the thing about it is, and I I got to jump back to last week. We were comparing the the Golden Child with this, and I remember I said something to the effect of, you know, the Golden Child. And I was trying to illustrate the point that the Golden Child had. Um, Eddie Murphy really carried the movie and I, I made a, something to the effect of, I, you know, big trouble in Ch- little China seems to be more of a movie. There's more parts to it. There's more to it than just, yeah. you know, the movie is bigger than one man. And I said something to the effect of, yeah, for example, if you, if you didn't have Kurt Russell in it, you had someone else. I don't think the movie would collapse. My point right. that the movie was bigger than one person. However, I, I do want to walk that back a little bit because after watching it another bunch of times, I'm like, I can't imagine this movie without Kurt Russell. Yeah. Like, I, I can't, like, don't show me Tom Selleck as Indiana Jones. It's Harrison Ford. Right. Don't show me, um, 
you know, I'm going to use, you know, someone else's Han Solo. It's got to be Harrison Ford. Like when I watch this, Kurt Russell just becomes that guy and plays him so well that I'm just like, you know, I, I made that statement and I, I, I can't imagine this movie without Kurt Russell, you know, not that Kurt Russell's listening, but my gosh, I love it. You know, <laughs> I love everything he does in it. So hey. I just wanted to get that out of the way. Cause I felt like I, I kind of over, I misspoke last week when trying to make a point, but you know what? Hey, you know what? Kurt Russell mows his lawn too. So yeah, I, he may right. be listening that's for right. all we know. Him and Val. I don't, I don't picture, I mean, I don't picture them as people who pay other people to mow their lawn. I mean, I figure Jack Burton, you know, you know, he jumps on the old pork chop express lawnmower and he does it himself. Right. Well, and, and just, the, image, the pork chop express lawnmower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There we go. I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to paint that on the side of my lawnmower. I think, I think, I think, I think it's, I think it's, I think the, Sharon would love that. No, it's, I think the, the uh, front of his truck. You know, like it's got the girl and what is it? What does the front of his truck say? Hauling ass yep. or something like that. I mean, that's just the way they put that character together. It was it was perfect. It was perfect. And, you know, to, to understand that, oh, well, they meant this character to be this and it was supposed to be serious. I, I mean, you know, however, the writers or whatever, whoever did it gave such a complete I mean, the writing and the performance really came together. Uh, to, to bring that Jack Burton character alive. And you're right. I mean, the other characters are exciting to watch, too. The interplay between the two of them, it's a buddy movie. I mean, wasn't oh, yeah. the 80s? Wasn't that supposed it, to be the decade of the buddy movies? Right. It totally is. It's, it has that quality when the two of them get going. Yeah. I mean, what was it? Uh, God, and it's just everything. And right when you think he's out of his depth, like, okay, he's really the sidekick, he's the one that turns around and can pull it off. You know, right. I mean, he, he, you know, he's, he can handle the situation, you know? Yeah. Um, but she, when he kisses her in the tunnel, hey, sorry, I'm just thrilled to be alive. Just thrilled to be alive. <laughs> and, 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 and his delivery, you know, when he goes to the door, okay, here's the thing. I think we got a straight shot out, and the coast is clear, opens the door. All the guys are standing there, slams the door. Okay. We might be trapped. They, yeah, we're, we walked into a trap. Everybody hide. You know, I just, and, but the delivery is the same, and the way Kurt Russell does that makes that situation absolutely hilarious. Yeah, you know, like I can't, whole, I can't see, I can't picture Jack Nicholson or Clint Eastwood doing that. No, right. It's it's definitely not the same no, movie. Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood only works if they made it a western, and Jack Nicholson, I'm right. not sure he works at all. You guys go back and do the look on his face when Jack Burton gets the gun. First of all, that whole gun exchange thing yes. when the guys <laughs> out and they're like trailing the guns around. I, I mean, it's just. I have I've missed that every single every single time I've watched the movie I've never seen what happens there. Really? And and you this time go. watching the movie I'm watching them trade guns and it was hilarious and I I never noticed that before. Oh my gosh, that's funny. <laughs> go back and watch. I'm sure you guys did, but go back and watch the look on Kurt Russell's face when he tries to fire the the mach, submachine gun and it doesn't go in. The guy's like yes. safety. He goes oh, yeah. oh. and yeah. he's like he gets it but he's like pointing down and then he snaps up and starts shooting those guys and the look on his face like i'm it's like he's gritting his teeth and he's just like it's like the tough guy i'm gonna blow you away but mm-hmm. this gun is out of control and yeah. i'm out of my element and i mean just the look on his face go back and watch it i mean pause it you will you will you will laugh yourself silly with it it's yeah it's it's pretty good all right, so running back, so uh, going through a little no, bit. Uh, chronologically. Chronologically here. Uh, what about that first fight scene? Uh, now, I love that part when they're in the, you know, they're in the truck and they have the two gangs that are approaching each other and, you know, he's given the description of what each gang is and, 
And I just I love that scene. I you know you, it's your first big fight, and you're getting to see these two sides just totally tear each other up. And then the three storms show up. Yeah. So I, that part to me, I I I love that fight at the beginning. That's probably maybe other than the fight at the very end. That's probably my favorite fight of the whole movie. I was well, it's got so much. It's got all the different. Uh, it's got all the different factions there. You're getting the. They're setting up the whole movie for you at that point because until then, you're just driving around with this guy chasing some girl. Right. You're getting yeah. introduced into all the mysticism, and then they start whipping each other, and that's fun too. Yeah. Oh man, that thing's and I mean what was cool is you don't just see a melee. I mean you see a melee, but then they'll focus in and like everyone gets a little screen time and there's guys getting mm-hmm. put through front windows, there's guys getting kicked, there's guy get the absolute my absolute favorite move of all time in a martial arts movie, the guy grabs a two by four, wraps it around the other guy's head and knees the guy, breaks the board with the he like knees the guy yes. in the head, breaking the board. <laughs> yes. I, I love that. I love that move. I've never seen something like that in another movie. And it's got the, um, it's got the guy. I think Jason Ko and I, Ko and I looked it up. The guy's name is like Al Long or Al Lung or something. And he, if you look, see a picture of this guy, it's like, oh, it's that guy. He's the bad guy in every. He's in Die Hard. He's in um, mm. Lethal Weapon. He was the guy that um, did the torture when they tortured Mel Gibson. The guy that's forgotten. Oh, okay, yeah. Remember, he's like, this guy's forgotten more about how to inflict pain than you ever will know or something. He was it. He was a bad guy in Die Hard. He was the bad guy in um, uh, Last Action Hero. I mean, he's literally, when you see this guy, it's like, oh, my gosh, this guy literally is in, like, every every movie. And it's that guy. He was in it. So, yeah. I know who you mean now. I hadn't thought, I hadn't made that connection until just now. Not so, enough. in short, yes, I agree. That's an awesome fight scene. And then just the just as it kind of follows them as they jump out of the truck, well, of course he runs down Lopan and and you know as they jump out of the truck and just uh, no matter which corner they turn around, there's some new gang that's about to kill them. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and then you come back to the as they run around in a circle, you come back to it and you just see that the the three storms have basically killed everybody. Yeah, yeah, and those guys were pretty tough too, man. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, it's um. And part of it is the uh, the love of Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. But the, the guy that um, the Raiden guy, who well, I and, and apparently last week. Well, apparently what? that that was inspired by Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, I mean yeah. that that guy's awesome. I oh, mean yeah. that's that's that was the cool. character I always used when I played the game. Yeah. Only because I could never figure out anybody else's special move, but his was real easy. Back, back, forward. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can do that. Down up. Down up does the teleport. Yeah. And how cool is a guy that shoots electricity? I mean, are there any other people that like shoot electricity? Uh, Emperor Palpatine. Pardon me? Emperor Palpatine. Yeah, Palpatine doesn't. <laughs> Get those two guys in a fight. Get Lightning well, maybe, and Palpatine in a fight. Yeah. So maybe maybe that's the excitement is just that, you know, a lot of people do shoot electricity. Yeah. Uh, that's a cool power to have. And then, which was the uh, was was it the uh, was it lightning that had the like the spinning forks on his hand? Yeah. When they're all breaking out their weapons, he had like those rings that had the spinning like razor forks on his hand. Yeah. And like, because as they break out, they you know, the first guy breaks right, out the yeah. knives, then the second guy breaks out like the claw things, and then he's got these spinning things. It just gets more ridiculous, but also awesome as it goes along. Yeah, I, I mean, but the movie doesn't. The movie doesn't take itself too seriously. No. 
and that's where I can't wait to see the preview with the rock. I, I hope, I hope they're able to capture that because that's what makes it cool is, yeah, there's some cool fight scenes, but it's not like, you know, it's not like it's taking itself too seriously. They're not afraid to put a little bit of that hint, you know, hint, hint, wink, wink, not right. whatever into right. it to uh, make it fun. Right. Well, and if they do that, since you mentioned it, if, if they do with the remake with The Rock, you know, if they decide to to do actually go through and do this, I really hope that they don't lean too far into comedy. Because I think that's really what this movie does well, is that, yes, there's comedy. Yes, there's goofy stuff going on. But everybody else is being serious about this. Right. Right. Like some of the stuff, yes, is over the top. Gracie Law, a little bit over the top. Um, yes. You know, a couple of these other characters, a little bit over you the top. You know I'm always sticking my nose in where it doesn't belong, but this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I mean, and I don't want to understate. Keep I'd go with you. I know. There's something wrong with your face. There's something wrong with your face. I know. <laughs> and you know what? The best part is when they're all in the cages, when they go to rescue them. Uh, Gracie Law, the one, oh, stay away from her. She's annoying. She's trouble. She, when they go to the cages, not only is she in a cage, she is tied up, gagged, and like the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, how hilarious is that? Because you know she probably just annoyed the absolute living piss out of the people that were, yes. you know, her captors. So that's, oh, sure. and I don't want to understand. I mean, I thought her performance of Gracie Law was absolutely, ex- you know, oh, yeah. it was awesome. Well, and, and I guess they were kind of worried about her, Kim Cattrall, as an actor, too, because up to that point, she'd really only been in, like, these raunchy comedies. She'd only been yeah, in, like, Porky's, Porky's and Police Academy. Academy by then? Yeah. Well, I, I, thought, I thought Kim Cattrall was pretty awesome in it. And you know what? Oh, yeah. Not to get too all, like, Eastern philosophy, but, you know, they talk about the big thing is, like, the yin-yang or the umyang, and, you know, it's like everything is in balance. Yeah. And that's what I think of is why this movie works so well is everything really is in balance. I mean, the, the humor, the action... The, the silliness, the seriousness, it all, it all fits real well together. And I, I'm reminded of that quote that um, Paul Newman had. I supposedly Martin Scorsese told him this when they were working on the um, color of money. Yeah. And he said, the best way to be funny is just try not to be funny. Yeah. And that's why a lot of this works so well is because even when, you know, even when they're delivering lines that are hilarious – they're delivering them seriously, but it's not pretentious. It's not like they take themselves too seriously. It's just right. perfect. They're trying, they're trying to not be funny, but in, but they're inherently making the lines funny. You know what I'm saying? Well, and supposedly some of the some of the actors that came in to do the martial arts and to do the fight scenes, it might have been. I think it was one of the three storms. I forget which one it was, um, but he was interviewed at one point and said that he had no clue that there was supposed to be any comedy in this movie. He thought it was a, a serious martial arts type movie and they're filming some of the fight scenes and the choreography and the, and they're doing the whole thing. And all of a sudden, I don't know if it was the one scene where uh, the Wang Chi character kind of like, you know, raises his eyebrows at the guy while he's fighting. Yeah. But he's like, they were going along and John Carpenter purposefully did not tell them that this was part comedy because he's yeah. like, well, I, I don't want them. I want them to think this is serious. Like I want them, I want their character for their character. This is a serious thing. Yeah. They, they are the right. bad guy. They are the villain. They don't need to know it's a comedy. So apparently these guys didn't even know that it was supposed to be comedy until they came into it. And they just kind of had to react to it as it went along. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say something that's completely over the top and you guys can kind of rail me back in, Do you it, know, rail it. me back in. 
But the only other movie that made me think like like when I'm when I'm really breaking this down was Gremlins. Where okay. how do you categorize this movie? Oh. Is it horror? Is it action? Is it comedy? Is it hey, it's a little bit of everything and it's just a unique movie. And honestly, when I watched this movie, and I think that's when I texted all you guys, like, dude, I just watched this movie two times. Like and Mazuka was like, Have you never seen this before? And it was like, I don't really I kind of feel like I haven't because it just occurred to me that this movie really it kind of breaks all the different categories yeah. you know I mean yeah and it, and it paces itself oddly too I think that's another reason is it yeah it's not consistent in its pacing which is a good thing I think that's what keeps it interesting and it also keeps you from pigeonholing it into something that it's not right well and and what I thought was interesting was Pat when you were running through everything you know you said just a little while ago, you said something about, okay, well, the, you know, it's, I like Westerns and I like Kung Fu and, you know, this is a great Kung Fu movie and it's got the magic stuff in there, which is a little weird, but, and I'm sitting here going, well, as a kid though, the magic stuff was probably my favorite part. Cool. Like the monsters, that little spy, you know, eyeball thing that was floating around to me as a kid, yeah. when I, when yeah, I watched this movie, that was the yeah. stuff that I loved. Yeah. You know, well, the fact well, the fact that Lopan could of, be this old guy, but then also like this weird, creepy Dracula looking spirit thing. Speaking of the eyeball thing, so if you're doing a sequel, does the sequel start as he's driving away and the big ugly monster is climbing up the back of his truck? <laughs> Left it wide sure. open, man. Left it wide open. I know. And you know, you mentioned you mentioned the magic thing is I mean how cool was that fight between Lopan and Egg Shen when, when they're shooting oh, yeah. the laser beams at each other? But then how cool was it that, like, it wasn't just laser beams flying at each other. They actually, like, were little guys fighting, you know? And you guys are going to – I just thought that was pretty cool. And to say that the special effects weren't good, right. I'm kind of like, man, I'm watching this 30 years on, and, I mean, I'm – Really? They're not that good? I think I mean, it was I think it was the same group that did the special effects for Ghostbusters. Yeah. So did you catch and I, I had kind of caught this before, when they do that, when they're kind of shooting the you know, when they're when they're shooting at each other and it almost turns like into a little video game in front of them. Yeah. Where you've got yeah. the, the two knights or the two samurai or whatever it's supposed to be fighting. Um, was... did, did you catch Low Pan where he's like wiggling his fingers like he's working a video game controller? Yeah. yeah. I yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, how funny is that? And you know what? I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go out on a limb here. Um, I'm gonna assume that everybody in our listening audience have like read Harry Potter and have seen Harry Potter and all that kind of stuff. Present company included, but stop me because I don't well, want to do any I, spoilers. You go ahead and spoil it. I here. Okay, I'll admit it right here because I don't know that I've ever admitted this on the podcast. Okay. I have neither read. Nor okay, watched. I'm gonna stop talking to men. I no, no, no. You go ahead. You can go ahead because I, I don't know. They're great books, dude. Oh, I know, I know. Well, and and John, my son John, he, I think he is interested in reading the first book. He hasn't read any of them yet, um, so he may start reading it. So I will, I may read it with him, or he'll probably tell me about it. But no, I've never. I just never got into the Harry Potter oh. ones. I never got into the movies. At some point, I'm gonna go watch them because, you know, John Williams did the music and. Hey, you know Everybody what? Everybody talking about can, how good they are. So, can I just say something to you? I know you're yeah. an English teacher, so you get this. Right. I, I'm going to plead with you. I'm, I will get down on my knees, and I mean, read the books first. Okay. Don't see the movies. Okay. Don't see the like. 
and and I, I don't want to give spoiler, but like I I got because the movies are different than the books type of thing. Okay. And that was going to be my point that I was going to make. So I I'm going to pull back, and now you can edit this or whatever. But the way they did that fight scene, all I'm going to say is this: in the one of the movies, I really wish they would have done the fight scene uh, between two of the main characters like the way they did it in Big Trouble in Little China, where the laser beams were going at each other. But within that, there are these characters, and I thought sometimes in some of the Harry Potter movies, it was almost like what they're like 25 years after or 20 years after Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. But all you have are like little laser beams, and that's it. Like there's no like characters springing. Anyways, I'm sounding like a lunatic anyway. No. But no more. Like I said, I wish I wish they would have done some of the special effects in Harry Potter like the way they did in this. Bo, have you read the books or seen the movies? Oh, both. Yes. Okay, so, okay, John, just earmuff it, because I'll right. make this point. So, do you remember when Dumbledore and, and Voldemort get into it? Yeah. In, in uh, um, um, Order of the Phoenix, at the end, when there's the, the minute, and Dumbledore is a master of transfiguration, and he gets the statues to fight for him, but then in yep. the movie, all you get is, like, laser beams hitting each other. And it was mm. like, really? That's it? That was such an awesome scene. You could have, like, had all that in there. And then when I was watching this, this time it was like, they did this in Big Trouble Little Child. They did it. It was like 20 they years before. <laughs> they, had, they had the playbook, and you just ignored the playbook, but that's okay. Whatever. <laughs> Anyways, John. Yeah, I, I can see. All right. Well, at, at some point, I maybe I'll go back and I'll read the books. Yeah. I just, my, it always seemed like, I, and I don't know, I, and I have never given it a fair shake, but anytime anybody was like, oh, Harry Potter, you got to read Harry Potter, you got to watch Harry Potter, the movies are awesome, you got to go. I, my thing was, I'm like, you know what? If I want to watch a movie with a wizard in it, I'm just going to go watch Willow. <laughs> because yeah. that's one movie, and I don't have to well, catch up with the 9 or 12. Or... Warwick Davis is in some of the Harry Potter movies. Oh, right. is he really? Okay. Dude, I'm, I'm telling you, read the books first. Okay. Like, like seriously. He's and, not wrong about that. Okay. And in fact, in fact, I went to see one of the movies after reading the books, and I got so hacked off, they changed it, I almost walked out. Like, oh, really? I was like, <laughs> I, I looked at Tammy, and it was like, I'm like, I, I was just like, I, I was just sitting there spluttering in the theater, and she's like, could you be quiet? I'm like, no, let's get out of here. I want to leave right now. She goes, we just paid. I'm like, I want to get out of here. I'm just, I'm angry. And then I don't even remember the movie, because I sat there for two and a half hours, and I was just angry. Yeah. And then later, I rewatched it, and I was okay, whatever. But yeah, yeah dude, read the books. Okay. I would agree. The okay. books are fantastic. The point being that awesome fight between Lopan and Eggshen was out that was cool with the guys. Oh, yeah. That was awesome. I one of my right before that, one of my other favorite scenes is when he gives them that magic potion that's supposed to make everybody feel pretty good about this and feel <laughs> yes. you know. I I love that part when they're <laughs> we're supposed to drink this? Yeah. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm feeling yeah. I'm feeling pretty good about this. Feeling kind of yeah. kind of invincible. Yeah, right. <laughs> and the guys are all like patting themselves on the shoulder. Is it, is it getting warm in here? Yeah. <laughs> and Wang's line is the best answer to Jack Bird's like, I'm feeling kind of invincible. Yeah. Is Wang's line is, I have a very positive attitude about this yeah. whole thing. <laughs> I feel pretty good. I'm, uh, I'm not scared at all. I just feel kind of kind of invincible. <laughs> Me too. I, I got a very positive attitude about this. Good. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> is it getting hot in here or is it just me? No, I <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
All right. Well, so then that okay. Now since we've started it already, uh, let's let's segue into what are your favorite quotes from this movie? And oh, you know oh, this God, this may so just many. be its own podcast episode on its own. A brave man likes the feel of nature on his face, Jack. Yeah, yeah and a wise man has enough sense to get in out of the rain. <laughs> That's pretty solid right there. I, I don't think I can pick. I can't narrow it down because this is just one of those movies where there's so many funny one-liners and I, just everything Jack says. Take everything Jack says. And yeah. I, I'm looking at the IMDb page right now yeah, with some I, of the quotes. Yeah, I sort of... You're right. Everything Jack says is good, so I kind of focused on some of the other ones. Some yeah. of the little Asian joke references were awesome. Like, yeah. we take what we want and leave the rest. Yeah. Just like your salad bar. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> stuff like that. That's the stuff that kills me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Pan. You people. Ask your case on wheels or the ten foot tall roadblock. He was eight feet tall. Whatever. Yeah. Okay, you people sit tight, hold the fort, and keep the home fires burning. If we're not back by dawn, call the president. That's right. Get okay, over there you go. John John Wayne. Keep the home fires burning. Yeah. That's it. That's it. I'm and I feel like this is one like I want to put on the end of an email or I want to use at some point. I'm a reasonable guy, but I've just have experienced some very unreasonable things. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's man. I mean, seriously, how often can you use that line anywhere? Right. Like, anywhere. Or like the one that know. I've used all the time. Everybody oh, yeah. relax. I'm here. Yeah. I'm here. <laughs> well, that just sums up his character. Everybody relax. It I'm does. here. Yeah. I know. Or all the way back at the beginning when they're playing cards and Wang won't let him go, and he's like, no, we're going to finish it now. Are we yeah. going to have a prop? Is this going to get ugly, Wang? I don't want it to. I don't want it to get ugly. But nothing or double, Jack. Nothing or double. That's right. Nothing or double. Yeah, I love all the little interplay between the two of them. It's yeah. like when he's pointing to the Chinese uh, writing that's on the elevator. He's like, "What does that say?" And he, he's like, "Hell of boiling oil." You're kidding. Yeah, I am. It says keep out. Yeah. <laughs> and this this is gonna sound lame, but remember when they're swimming and they they swim into the hell of. It was the hell of being suspended upside down in water or something. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Jack just freaks out. And mm-hmm. you can tell he's freaking out by the way he's swimming. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know how to describe it other than that. But when he's just like taking his hands and like, oh, my God, you know, just like, yeah, dude, you're swimming around a bunch of like old moldy skeletons. That's really scary. And just the way he freaks out like that is uh, is pretty awesome. Yeah, I was trying to see you, if there's you any. You got a tongue, Dave, after yourself. <laughs> I told him, Dave, that, that killed me every time. I'm like, God. <laughs> you only have a knife? These, this guy is 12 feet tall. Seven. But I took something. I can see things <laughs> no one else can. Why are you dressed like that? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Henry Swanson's my name and excitement's my game. Cash or charge? Oh, gosh. Cash, I guess. I mean, it's not deductible, is it? <laughs> oh, man. And, and when I find her, I will marry her from Lopan. When I never, Ching Dai will be appused, my curse will be lifted, and you can go on to rule the universe from beyond the grave. Indeed. Indeed. Or check into a cycle ward, whichever one comes first, right? 
Indeed, indeed, indeed. I do love that. Yeah. That was good. You know, the one thing I thought was cool when they're driving down the um, the alleyway at the beginning, you see Lopan kind of almost dressed as like a beggar, kind of look over his shoulder as they go by. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I don't even know what the connection is or why, but I, I just think that's cool. Hey, how about how about when um, old Lopan turns to new Lopan and he like stands up and floats along the floor? Yeah. And through the... I don't know. I mean, again, I, I, I'm sure there's like newer special effects that would be better, but that just freaks me out. No, that was kind of like that was that was really cool. And I think it's like he's frozen. It's like they almost take a still of him and just move the still. Yeah. And somehow that makes it more scary and more real. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I I I didn't really put the two together until watching it um, sometime in the last couple of years. I think that that's why. To me, Gary Oldman's Dracula in Bram Stoker's okay. Dracula is so creepy because he reminded me of Lopan. Okay. Sure. And, oh, as, yeah. and as a kid, Lopan totally creeped me out. Yeah. I mean, he just looks like, he, he looks like a vampire. He looks like, you know, he looks like that Dracula. I know that movie came, you know, a, little, a few years after, but I think the two, those two characters look so similar to each other when Gary Oldman plays the you know, the aristocratic Dracula that has the, you know, the long black hair and the, all that stuff. He's just kind of got that creepy. It's almost like, you know, they did the same thing where like he's floating across the floor instead of walking and. Right. It's just that. Yeah. Those, those little touches to make him extra creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, and it's funny cause as a kid, I focused on the humor, you know, mm-hmm. and I think you're right, John. I think, as a kid, I focused on the humor and the 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 the, um, the, the sci-fi, more sci-fi. The magic stuff was was cool, but I never really. It was as I got older, I started watching, and it was just like, man, that's pretty cool. Or you kind of like you expect to go back and wince, and every time I go back, it's like right. I'm not I'm not wincing. I mean, even when they deliver what is like the cheesiest line about. Right before they drink the magic potion, and 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 Wang toasts the army and the navy. I was just looking at that one. The color, yeah. Go ahead and read it again. It's just such a cheesy quote, but when they deliver it, it's just like, yeah, okay, yes, amen. All right, there you go. You know. Here's to the army and the navy and the battles they have won. Here's to America's colors, the colors that never run. May the wings of liberty never lose a feather. Another good John Wayne line. Yep. May the wings of liberty never lose a feather. It, 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 you could definitely, you could quote this movie all day long. Well, the whole thing. And so, is, is there so a fun. better use of I was born ready than right. when Jack no. said, <laughs> This is going to take Cracker Jack timing. So, and there's one other thing about this movie and John Carpenter, when I think of John Carpenter as the director of this, and I'm looking at his list of movies that I've seen, because there's a few of his that I still have not seen. I still have never seen Escape from New York. Um, okay. I, I, need oh, to wow. go, I need to see that at some point. Is that um, the first one, or is Escape from L.A. the first one? Escape from New York is the first one. Escape from L.A. came in 95 or 96, I think. Okay. So it was almost, what would that be, like 15 years later? Okay. Yeah, I think it'd be like 15 years later. But in looking at his list of movies that he directed um i'm I'm looking at those and going these are all just i mean i i can i can see 
when you have a director that just has so many of these cult classics, mm-hmm. I'm almost glad that he got disillusioned with the mainstream Hollywood stuff. Okay. Like, I, I like his movies that are not, like, they don't necessarily fit in with the mainstream stuff. I mean, that's, he got disillusioned after Big Trouble in Little China, and not too long after that, he did They Live. And he did Memoirs of an Invisible Man, which I remember being really funny. Like, I probably saw that around about the same time I saw Fletch for the first time. Okay. So both Chevy Chase movies. Okay. And I remember loving Memoirs of an Invisible Man uh, when it came out. I don't know that I saw too much of John Carpenter's stuff after that, but some of his other ones are, are you know, movies that I remember loving as a kid. I mean, I uh, Starman, even though that's more of like a serious drama type movie. I, I always liked that one. Uh, they Live is hilarious. I love that one. Uh, okay. You know, we got the original Halloween. So okay. I, I, I just I like his I like his movies, and I'm glad that maybe he took a step back and said, "All right, I'm I, I'm a I'm a director that makes movies that become cult classics, and that's what I do." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Though a little disappointed for him that he you know has to get so disillusioned because a movie maybe suffered because of marketing. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. You know you don't want to see anyone do that, but I mean just creative and fun movies. I I just you know, and I, I'll be honest with you, I. I'd put this movie up, well, like I said, I would put this movie up there before 70, 80% of the movies that are out there now, you know? I mean, it's just, it's creative, it's unique, it's well-acted, it's intelligent. I mean, none of these guys are going to, it's lowbrow, it's highbrow, none of these guys are going to necessarily be winning acting awards and all that kind of thing, but I mean... I don't know, it it works well as a whole. To use a sports reference, it's like, you know, you can have a team of all-stars, or you can have a team of no names that just all play really well together. Right. And not to say that, you know, some of the people, you know, like Kurt Russell is a no name. That's not what I mean to say by that. But I, I don't know. The movie, it just really works well. And it was funny this time because one of my favorite Kurt Russell movies is Tombstone. Okay. And, and in watching it this time, you know, there were several, there were several instances now where I, I we're going to have to go back and watch Tombstone pretty soon. We normally do that on Sharon's <laughs> birthday each year, so um, okay. it was kind of our tradition that close to Sharon's birthday, we would get a tombstone pizza from the grocery store, and we would make our tombstone pizza and watch Tombstone every year. So we're going to be doing that sometime within the next few days. But there are moments in Tombstone where he, as Wyatt Earp, says something, and I'm like, that's a Jack Burton line. You know, mm-hmm. if he says something like, what the hell, or, you know, you know, when, when I think in one of the starts of the, uh, was it when they start the fight at the OK Corral? Mm-hmm. And I think all he says is he notices that the one guy's eyes just kind of drop, and he's like, ah, oh, hell. And then, yeah. And then you know it's all going to start. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. that's that's a, that's a Jack Burton line. I Well, and the problem is, I don't know if that's a Kurt Russell line or a Jack Burton line. Right. I don't know if it's just, if, if it's Kurt Russell or if he was kind of channeling that a little bit and... Because there are moments when he plays that Wyatt Earp character kind of in, in the times where it's a little humorous in Tombstone, because his is not the comedy relief character, um, but there are times where he'll play that character and I, I'll see moments of Jack Burton from Big Trouble in Little China. 
but that may just be him as the announcer. Right. I know what you're saying because there's another movie, The Big Lebowski. Anytime I see uh, Jeff Bridges, yeah. whether it's a movie before or after, for some reason, that is like the iconic role for me that whenever I see Jeff Bridges somewhere else, it's like, dude, that's the dude yeah. right there. Okay, that was the dude. He was channeling the dude there, you know? The dude abides. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I get what you're saying. Totally. All right. So this we've, we've talked about favorite quotes. We've talked about all this other stuff. Um, and we've talked a little bit about some of the different scenes in the movie. Do you have a favorite scene? Is there one scene from the movie that you could pick out and say, you know, this is the one scene from this movie that is my absolute favorite. Do you have one in particular? Tough one. Yeah. I mean, you picked a great one when you mentioned earlier the scenes when everyone converges. That's really nice. Mm -hmm. That first um, fight. Honestly, maybe the scene when he's on the phone with the insurance insurance company, the one guy's coming in and talking, the two guys sitting at the table are talking at him. Yeah. There's so much happening in that scene. Yeah. And he's just trying to, he's just worried about his truck at that point. By the way, and your phone's just, dead. Right. Yeah. No, by the way, your phone's dead. Like, he hasn't really bought into this whole thing yet. He's still concerned about his truck and all this other stuff's happening around him. That might be yeah. it. You know, the elevator scene was, uh, I, I would say the elevator scene, or I got to be honest, man, maybe that, that whole final fight scene from, mm -hmm. you know, from right when he sees that little floating eyeball guy again, and it's just like, you know, that stupid thing, and then uh, Wang like, spears the thing right through the head and it goes, you know, when it, it gets the sword. And from that scene to like when they all escape on the truck, like that whole thing, that whole action. Yeah. That might have to be the, that might have to be my favorite one. Cause I, I don't know. It's pretty. Yeah. I, I think, I think I still got to go with the, I, I've either got to go with the very first fight scene when you've got those two gangs okay. that, that gang up on it. Well, they gang up on each other. Hence the term "gang up." Um, either that one, or when he and Wang Chi are in the—they're tied up in the wheelchairs, and they're brought before Lo Pan, and just that whole interchange between the three of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, the other—the other thing, just before we, because I know we're we're kind of running running up on our time here, but um, the other thing I really liked about this was at the very end of the movie. And he's getting ready to leave, and they're like, "Aren't you gonna kiss her goodbye?" Kiss nope. Yeah. <laughs> see you around. Yeah. See you around. You never know. You never can tell. Is that what he says at the end? Yeah. 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 Kind of. Hey, kind of like riding off into the sunset type of deal. Right. Oh, totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It definitely. When you said the western thing, I was like, "Oh, yeah." That makes yeah. I can see that. All right. Do we have any final parting thoughts on Big Trouble in Little China? Is it worth the trouble to watch it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and you know what? I think the way we've done it, I think seeing these two movies close together mm -hmm. actually helps both of them. I think they're, 
they're just fun in their own ways, but because they're so similar, they're kind of cool to watch back to back. Yeah. I actually had a lot of fun with it. I, I got to tell you, just in the last week since watching The Golden Child, I have stuck in my head the entire scene where they're in the airport and, and at random times throughout the day, in my head, you know, I'll start saying, my dear sweet brother Numsi, I have yeah. offended you. That I must good. be purged. I cannot live among regular people. I Arrest me. You must arrest me. You must punish yeah. me. I should be purged. I should be punished. Yeah, I did, that's yeah. kind of stuck in my head now. I'm just, the next time I get in trouble for something, I'm, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, there you go. If okay. I if I do something wrong, I'll just do that. Yeah, it was. Um, it's funny looking back at all these movies, and you know, you can see a style of movies. You can see a style of movies made in the seventies, but you know, it's it's pretty funny because it's now, and maybe I don't know if I'm old enough now that I have the perspective, or if the movies are just you know, that much further away than when I, you know, rewatched a lot of them a few years ago, but it's like, you can definitely see an 80s style of movies that just, oh, yeah. it's hard to capture. And it's the tongue in cheek. It's the, um, and maybe it was just like the perfect storm of, you know, you had Eddie Murphy and is, is there, is there someone in movies that's as funny as him? Maybe, but you have a real unique character in Eddie Murphy out there able to deliver these lines. Well, and I feel like that's why Big Trouble in Little China, that I will be curious to see if they do a remake. Now, I'm not I'm not going to be I'm not going to be one of those people that goes nuts and and says, you know, don't do it, don't do the remake cuz I'm I'm going to go see the new Ghostbusters movie at some point. I know mm -hmm. people are not happy about it. I know it's getting so-so reviews um depending on who you talk to and but Okay, if if they want to do a remake of Big Trouble in Little China, fine, go ahead, do it. My only problem with that is, if I don't want to go see it, I'm just gonna, I'm not going to spend the money to go see it. But I won't badmouth the thing if I haven't seen it yet. Right. My only worry about that is Big Trouble in Little China to me is such an '80s movie. Yeah. Because, and I think, and I think you you kind of hit it there, because the style of a lot of the '80s movies was, it wasn't the it wasn't the tough guy action star of like the seventies. Mm -hmm. It was more the, you know, your, the, the quintessential eighties movies are the ones where you've got your action star, but he's also funny. He's also going to crack jokes. He's also going to mess up a little bit. It's going to be your Jack Burton. It's going to be your, it's going to be Eddie Murphy. It's going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger cracking all those one liners in commando. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, your eighties, action movie star for the most part is part action star, part comedian. You know, right. you've, you've got John McClane. When was the first Die Hard? Was that 88? Oh, wow. You know, you, you've got John McClane that's cracking jokes while he's in the midst mm -hmm. of trying to stop these terrorists. So I think that's probably, when you talk about that 80s style of movie, I think that's why this one is so, it fits so well with the 80s. I mean, at least it was made in the 80s, but it fits so well with that, and it feels so 80s, maybe because of that. Yeah. <clears throat> and I know sometimes you'll you'll have movies like that today, but I think more of like your action movies today, they either veer so far into comedy mm -hmm. that you can't even, like, you couldn't even try to take it seriously, or they veer so far into drama that it's like a, a, a James Bond or a Jason Bourne or something like that. 
Like you, you have the two extremes. Whereas I think the eighties movies did a good job of mixing the two where yeah. you want to see it as a comedy. Totally. It's a comedy. If you want to see it as an action movie, yeah, it can be an action movie. Yeah. You know, I, I think of this one and I think of like Beverly Hills cop. I think of golden child. I think of you know, die hard. You can take these movies a lot of different directions Whereas now I feel like some of the movies we have now are just, you know, this is a drama. This is a comedy. Yeah, they don't so much try to blur those lines anymore. And that's one of the reasons I like this movie is that, like like we've already said, it kind of has something for everybody. If you like magic and sorcery and stuff like that, you know, that was the thing that drew me to this as a kid, the monsters that were in it. Um, if you like kung fu movies, if you like westerns, if you like action, if you like comedy, um, it's you know, it's just got a little something for everybody. Yes. So if you Very have much. not seen this yet, go watch it. Yeah. Have, well, and if you haven't seen it yet, we just ruined the whole thing for you. But yeah, but no, you're because you can. I mean, I know what's coming next in the movie, and I'm still excited to see it. Well, you that's know? true. It's. And if you have a wife or girlfriend that has green eyes, um, you know, keep her safe. Yeah, keep her away from Mopan. Yeah. You know what I mean? Bad dude. Alrighty. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the 30-something movie podcast. Um, we have got, let me jump into the, uh, the way forward machine here and see what we got coming up. Um, so last week, if you hadn't checked out last week, so that's, you know, I think, Bo, you mentioned it, uh, that it was nice that we kind of watched these back to back. Um, if you have not listened to our Golden Child episode that we did, we did that last week. Um, go back and listen to that one. That was episode number 77. Um, you can find that if you, you know, go on iTunes or our, our website, 30podcast.com. Uh, take a listen to the Golden Child episode as well. Um, and maybe watch these movies together. Like if you've got a weekend and you've got some time and you want to you know, check out both of these movies, um, Big Trouble in Little China is on Netflix. Golden Child is no longer on Netflix, so you have to find it somewhere else. Um, but these are two movies that are kind of good to watch you know, back to back and you know, just kind of see two sides of the same coin or two sides of a, a similar coin because John Carpenter, you know, was almost pegged to, to direct that one as well. So uh, we got that. And then we got coming up next week. There can be only one next week. There awesome. can be only one. There can be only one. And I'm going to admit right now, I have not seen this movie. What? Yeah. Really? I, I've, oh, seen, I've seen parts of it. It's one of those movies that I know I've seen parts of but I've never seen the whole movie from beginning to end. I am honestly shocked to hear that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm a horrible... I don't even know... Wow. I'm a horrible Scotsman. Yeah, no joke. Yeah. I think... Have you seen any of the highlights? I mean, I'm talking the TV show... Oh, yeah, no, I used to watch watch the TV show all the time. Okay, okay. No, I I just... This movie... Right, no, just this movie in particular, I've never... And and I've watched good portions of this movie, but I've never actually sat down and watched it from the beginning to the end. It's fun. Yeah. I I enjoy this one a lot. I'm actually bummed I'm not going to make the... uh, podcast but i'm watching the movie anyway okay because i like it that much sure. cool <laughs> uh so we got coming up next week uh we're gonna have highlander and then the week after that we've got legend um and that should be a fun one too i have not seen which that i've one. never seen oh you've yeah. never seen that one i saw that one as a kid on vhs but i if you ask me what that like what takes place in the movie i have no clue I know nothing. I, I have I have images, pictures in my head of, of things from that movie, but I do not remember anything about it because I haven't seen it since I was a kid, so that'll be another fun one. Um, and then as we're looking ahead 
Uh, we've got, so that'll finish us off for July in the next couple of weeks or so. As we're looking ahead, we're going to get into August, and those are going to be our school movies. So maybe a little bit of a stretch to find a theme for, for some of these months, but uh, our school movies are going to consist of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, uh-huh. uh, Back to School, Woo-hoo. one of my favorite, favorite Rodney Danger, Dangerfield movies other than um, uh, Caddyshack. And then we got Wildcats. We've got One Crazy Summer and River's Edge. So that'll be August coming up next month. So if you want to watch any of these movies before we talk about them, that's going to be our next month and a half. Again, next week is Highlander. And then the last week in July is Legend. And then in August, we've got Ferris Bueller, Back to School, Wildcats, One Crazy Summer, and River's Edge. And in the meantime, in between some of those other weeks or in the off days. Uh, We're also going to do, I'm planning on doing a series of podcasts on uh, comic books in 1986 because it was a really big year for comics in 1986. And I did do an episode about comics in 86 just a few weeks ago. That might have been episode number 76, I think it was. So if you want to get a little introduction to that, um, go on back and listen to episode number 76 of our podcast. And then we're marching right along to 100 and I still don't know what we're doing for 100. So I'll figure something out. We'll, we'll get there at some point. All righty. Well, I think that's going to do it for this one. Uh, so thank you for joining us. Thank you, Bo. Thank you, Pat. Hey, thank hey. you for setting it up. Thank you, John. All righty. Hope you all have an excellent, excellent evening or day or whatever you're doing. And, you know, just you got to remember what old Jack Burton says in a time like this. I don't know. <laughs> Good night and good luck. Oh wait, wrong you know time. what old Jack? You know what old Jack Burton always says at a time like this? Who? Hmm. Jack Burton. Me. Me. Like I told my last wife, I says, "Honey, I never drive faster than I can see. Besides that, it's all in the reflexes." <laughs> That's a great line. There we go. All right, everybody, have a good night. You too. Good night. It's all in the reflexes.